You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show, and I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps check out some past episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys rock, you're amazing, and I always appreciate the support so very much. A big shout out to my incredible sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends. That would be awesome. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Kim Saeed. Kim is an internationally respected self-help author, YouTuber, and educator specializing in recovery and rebuilding after toxic relationships. She's the founder of KimSaeed.com, a life transformation site that teaches people to flourish after narcissistic abuse. She is also the author of the Kindle bestseller, How to Do No Contact Like a Boss. During our chat together, Kim shares some of her story and how that inspired her to start advocating for narcissistic abuse survivors. We also cover how to recognize if you're in a toxic relationship, ways that you can cope if you're unable to leave the toxic person, how narcissistic abuse causes brain damage and the ways that we can heal that damage, and a good rule of thumb when going no contact. All this and so much more during my amazing chat with Kim Saeed. So without further delay, let's join that conversation right now. So hey, Kim, welcome to Beyond Your Past. How are you today? I'm great, Matt. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm really, really interested in learning more about your practice and everything that you cover on your YouTube channel and your website and your work. So uh, before we jump into all of that good stuff, we can take a couple of minutes here. You can share more about you um, and pretty much anything you want people to know about who Kim Saeed is. Sure. Well, you know, like most people, um, my story is that I was in a relationship that was quite unlike any I'd ever been in before. And he behaved in ways that I found quite appalling. Um, but he was also super charming and outgoing. He could be extremely romantic. And I kind of chalked it up to a certain level of emotional immaturity. But as time passed, I knew something far more serious was going on. And at the time, I tried counseling, but the farthest I got was that I needed to implement stronger boundaries, which was not helpful at all. <laughs> As anyone who has tried to do that with a narcissistic individual has probably learned for themselves. 
um, you know, counseling doesn't always help. So you need someone who's educated on the dynamics of narcissistic abuse. And probably the best therapists are the ones who have experienced it themselves and maybe who became a therapist because of their experience. But at any rate, um, I had just graduated from college to become a teacher, and I taught for three years in a local school district, but something just kept telling me to get my experiences out there. And so I eventually just kind of phased out my teaching job, and um, this is what I'm doing now, and I really feel like it's my soul's purpose in life to be helping people out of their own dark night of narcissistic abuse. Um, so anyone who's listening to this podcast today, you know, they might be wondering, how do you really recognize that you're in an abusive relationship? Um, you know, I think a lot of people get hung up on figuring out if the person they're with is actually a narcissist. Um, you know, somehow the use of the label seems to give people a sense of closure about their situation and maybe a sort of permission to leave the relationship. But this labeling of the other person isn't always helpful. So, you know, the truth is we should be analyzing how we're being treated and paying attention to actions instead of clinging to the empty promises in the future faking. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that that's such a difficult thing. I mean, recognizing what kind of relationship we're in, being able to take steps and advocate for ourselves and kind of act on our own behalf, um, rather than waiting and reacting or justifying something that, you know, we think we deserve or something that somebody tells us is okay. That's also difficult. And I know there are so many people who listen to this podcast um, who are in or have been in uh, relationships that are with a narcissist or even I've, even if it's not with, with a narcissist, they just don't feel like they're, you know, like they're getting what they need or what they want or right. what they, but they're afraid to make any changes on their own behalf because they don't know how, or, you know, like I said, they don't deserve it. So, um, you know, I'm really interested in learning more on how we can recognize an unhealthy relationship and kind of differentiate between what is reality versus what the um, narcissist may be trying to, uh, you know, tell us is, is true or not. Right. Well, um, what I see happening uh, a lot is that, you know, once we are in these relationships um, and we figure out something is not right, most people don't realize they're dealing with someone who's exhibiting narcissistic traits. Even now, I, I still hear from people that, you know, are saying, I'm just learning about narcissism or narcissistic traits. And so what happens is once we learn that, okay, so I could be dealing with a narcissist. And by the way, no judgment, because I did this too. Um, luckily, we we know a lot more than we did back, I don't know, 10 years ago when I left my abusive marriage. Um, we go on this mission to learn everything we can about narcissism and narcissistic traits and this is good in one way because it does allow us to feel validated that the problem isn't us after all, but it's also bad in that we end up overthinking things so much that we wind up talking ourselves out of what we already know. You know, the, the person won't change and the relationship is doomed. Um, 
and we start to feel like maybe we can be the exception because we learn why the narcissist might have ended up that way or the, the toxic person. And we begin to believe that we can manage the dysfunction based on what we've learned, that really all that happens is we end up close to being destroyed. And so, you know, all relationships have sort of a a period where we're on our best behavior, we try to look our best, we're trying to make a great impression. And, you know, all relationships, I won't say all, but most are like that when you're first getting into a, a romantic relationship with someone. And with a narcissistic individual, and I say narcissistic only because most of them won't ever be diagnosed. And honestly, It only takes one pathological trait to destroy another person's life. So um, usually, though, in a normal relationship, even after the initial chemistry starts wearing off, you will start to feel more comfortable around that person. You start to form a friendship. You, um, you know, you might notice some little idiosyncrasies and things that, you know, you're not so crazy about, but because the person has so many other good traits, you're willing to overlook those things. And I'm just talking about things like dirty laundry lying around or toothpaste um, tube, things like that. But with a toxic or narcissistic individual, you will go from feeling like, their soulmate to feeling like you're not even worth the dirt on the bottom of their shoes. And so what I like to tell people is pay attention to your relationship climate. You know, is it, you know, most of the time blue skies, very little, you know, bad weather, or are you having tsunamis and tornadoes every other day? You might have one day of good weather out of the whole week or the whole month. If that is what your relationship climate is like, then it's a good sign you need to leave that relationship. And you're right, Matt. Um, Even if the person isn't toxic, we still need to be very focused on whether we're getting what we need out of a a relationship, and that's romantic or otherwise. Um, So if you're starting to feel like you're unfulfilled, but especially if if you feel like you're being emotionally and verbally abused, that is a definite sign that you need to leave and pay attention to a person's actions. Don't, uh, don't listen to what they're saying if they say one thing and then continue to do another. Yeah. That's a huge, huge part of, of being a survivor of trauma of being in these types of relationships is, is, you know, being, being confident and having the ability um, to advocate for ourselves and to realize that, Hey, you know, my emotional needs are not being met or this person is being toxic or both. And then saying, okay, how can I take steps to get out of this and, you know, realize that I'm worthy of doing this and that the grooming that perhaps my past trauma or this person has instilled in me is not true. And so if we are someone who is in a toxic relationship and we've decided that, um, you know, we're not getting our needs met. We need to get out of here. We're not safe. Any number of reasons. What are some important things that we can remember um, as we start to really get out of this relationship and kind of start to get out on our own again? One of the most important things now, I do want to preface this by saying, if you are being physically abused, um, you might need to take some extra steps. You need to go to your domestic violence center and open a case to start making your exit plan. 
So I just want to throw that out there first and foremost. But if it's mostly the emotional abuse, the financial exploitation and that sort of thing, um, you don't really want to tell the toxic person that you're getting ready to leave. And this is really hard for people like us because we like to be transparent. And I know I felt a tremendous amount of guilt when I went out and got my own apartment and didn't tell my, my then husband, um, I went and filed a restraining order at one point. I mean, I was so guilty. I was physically sick. So I know how difficult it is, but we got to keep in mind that these feelings will not last forever. And that is trauma, what we're experiencing. And we can learn how to manage those trauma symptoms in the beginning in order to just kind of break free. So the first thing I would say is don't tell that person you're leaving unless, of course, you have kids. You have to tell them legally if they share custody. But um, that's not always the case. So make your exit plan, you know, um, try to get another place to live, get that all taken care of. If you can't leave right away, figure out a plan to save up some money. Um, You know, I have worked with people that opened Etsy shops or they did some kind of consulting or, I mean, gosh, when I was in that situation, I sold a lot of my belongings. I, um, I did resumes for people on Craigslist. And, you know, honestly, at one point I even sold my own plasma. That's how desperate I was to get out of that situation. So figure out a way to save up money so you can get out on your own. The third thing I would like to mention is that when you first leave, it's, it could possibly feel really exhilarating. But after the first few days, and it could even happen you know, as soon as you're in your new place, you're going to start feeling like your very survival is being threatened. And that is, you know, there are a lot of reasons for this, but part of it is the physical and biochemical withdrawal. We actually get addicted to the drama and the trauma because our body secretes biochemicals. And so over time, we actually get addicted to those. And so when they are suddenly gone, Our brain tricks us into thinking things like, you know, this was the wrong idea. I've made a terrible mistake. Oh, my God, I can't live without them. What have I done? This is all very normal. So please keep that in mind as you white knuckle it through those first few weeks. Your mind is going to tell you you've made the wrong choice. And that's hard to get through. You know, there's the trauma bonding, too. It's basically love's Stockholm Syndrome. And so we have to overcome all of these things when we're breaking free, because that is how we are able to get out from under that toxic person's um, influence so we can start to think on our own. What you're saying is just, um, it has so much merit and it's such great information. One thing I want to go back to that, um, that you were mentioning, the number one thing about not telling the person that you're going to leave. Have you found that also one of the reasons that you would want to tell is not only to be transparent, but also because you in some way want to try and save something, even though you know it's not safe and, you know, it is toxic. And as you mentioned, because you get so used to it and you, you know, form the trauma bond with the person and all these things that come with a relationship, 
sometimes we feel like we want to tell that person that I'm leaving. So maybe they'll change or maybe there's some way that we can try and save it or, or justify to ourselves that we did everything before we left. Yeah. And again, that goes back to our personality traits. We, you know, we have to learn when we're breaking free from these toxic relationships, sometimes we have to go against our nature because, yeah, I think most of us uh, have that feeling, well, maybe if they know I'm going to leave and I'm serious this time, maybe they'll, you know, change. And what typically ends up happening is, you know, there could be a few different scenarios. The first one being, well, I've been cheating on you anyway. I've already got someone lined up. And so you're going to be devastated over that. But a lot of times what happens is they're going to start the love bombing again and the hoovering and and telling you all these things that you want to hear and making you truly believe that they have the intention of trying to be a better person or a better partner, a better spouse, a better fiance. Um, But... (sighs) I've got to tell you, Matt, I've been in this field for quite a long time now and I've not seen a single incident where this ever worked. Um, So it's always better to just, once you've made that decision, again, if you share custody um, or you're married, eventually you're going to have to to say something, preferably through your attorney. Um, But if, if that's not the case, then the best thing to do is just make your plans, get your new place lined up. And get all your stuff together and then leave. I mean, they're going to know why you left. Uh, So you don't have to go through this big negotiation phase um, because the negotiations never work out in our favor anyway. Yeah, you are. You are exactly right. And I know it's just it's something that we think of. Well, if I'm going to leave and I give him or her one more chance, maybe they'll see that I'm serious. Maybe they'll change. And even, even, I mean, I, I would imagine that more often than not in the back of our mind, we know they're not going to, but we somehow have to kind of justify that we tried every last little thing. <laughs> so if somebody asks us, well, did you try this and that? You feel like you have to have an answer for something that may never even come up or, you know, just a reason to tell yourself that, yes, I tried everything and I didn't give up prematurely so I can avoid the what if guilty feelings that, that as you mentioned before, are going to come back anyways, you know, because your brain's going to tell you, well, you shouldn't have left. You didn't do enough. You, you should have given him or her one more chance and all those kinds of things. So when we start thinking those thoughts, we got to, we got to ask ourselves, okay, so is it three strikes and you're out or a thousand and counting? You know, we have to put an expiration date on our forgiveness as, as it relates to giving the person another chance, because if this is something that has been a habit over the course of many years, the person has already had a chance to change. The person has already had the opportunity to show you that they are really serious about changing their behaviors. Um, and so when you go and tell them, I'm, I'm going to leave, you know, I'm done. Um, so many different things could play out that are going to cause you to try to stay in that relationship. Even if they tell you, well, I've got another person anyway, then a lot of people feel like, well, oh my God, maybe I wasn't good enough. And maybe, you know, if I do this or that, maybe things can change. I'll try to dress better. I'll change my hair. I mean, so many different things can play out. And so um, it's better just to try to leave without telling them and, uh, and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So what about those who are in a toxic relationship? There's children involved. 
there's uh, financial uh, reasons to where they can't leave. And so for, for lack of a better term, they're kind of stuck for an undetermined amount of time. Are there things that, that they can do on their own behalf to help take care of themselves or perhaps advice you can share on what they can do to perhaps set a long-term plan or basically just what's the best way that we can handle being stuck in a situation that we can't re- you know, uh, get out of realistically for a certain amount of time, again, due to children or finances or you know, housing or whatever the case might be? Right. And that's, that's an excellent question because a lot of us are in that situation and I was too. Um, so first of all, you know, analyze your situation. Can you comfortably move into your own place and have, um, a comfortable environment for your children? If you can, then go ahead and contact your attorney and get the ball rolling so you can get your children out of that toxic environment. But if you are financially dependent upon a narcissistic individual, um, you know, that's not always so easy. Um, You know, for me, I was a teacher. And so I was getting this paycheck every month, but not during summers. And so that was hard for me. And again, Matt, a lot of people probably don't realize this about me, but I, like I said, I sold everything I had of value electronics, my jewelry. I was selling my plasma. I was doing odd jobs. Um, But aside from that, I was also getting government assistance for a period of time. And so I think a lot of people overlook that. If you go to your local um, social services department and tell them what's going on, more often than not, they're going to tell you, well, these are the resources we have for you and for people in your situation. And this is what we can offer. So, you know, definitely don't overlook that. I mean, there's no shame in the survivor game. I worked for many, many years and I contributed to, you know, these government funds. And so I did not feel bad given my situation for going on assistance for a short period of time. So these are all things that people can can uh, investigate before making that decision. Um, And then your attorney can help you figure out if you um, qualify for alimony and child support. So it's definitely scary and you may not be able to leave right away, but at least start, you know, looking for ways to make it happen as opposed to staying. I know, um, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, I need to stay for the kid's sake. I'm staying for my, my three-year-old or I'm staying for my, you know, my 10-year-old twins or, we were brought up believing that we have to stay together for the children's sake. And, you know, regardless of what was happening, regardless of abuse, alcoholism, infidelities, now we're starting to see the results of that, those, those old beliefs, that old paradigm. Now we have these generations of people that have been, emotionally traumatized for being in that situation. And that does not really apply in today's world anymore. So if you can find a way to leave that toxic situation, that is always better. Because what I have found out, Matt, is that children who grow up in a toxic environment, in most cases, will either grow up to um, form narcissistic traits, or they're going to be codependent. 
So that's always a good motivator to, that was the reason I left. I didn't want my kids living that way anymore and seeing the fighting and the screaming and me crying and being catatonic all the time. So it's always better if you can to get your children out of there. Yeah. And it's, it bears repeating because you know, so often we are thinking to ourselves, as you said, we have this mentality of, you know, from, you know, that was ingrained in us. We'll stay together with the kids. It's better to have two parents together, raising the family and all that. And you're right in a solid world, or maybe a, a quote unquote, perfect world, or, you know, um, a healthy relationship, it is better to have two parents taking care and, you know, have the whole family, um, you know, dynamic in place and all that. But in, in a situation where you feel unsafe, where you are mistreated, where, you know, there's some type of physical abuse or, you know, um, emotional abuse or whatever we're talking about, we, we again, we're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe he'll change, maybe she'll change. And, you know, for any of us who have, who have, who have been divorced and have children involved, you know, I mean, yes, it's tough in the beginning and kids will not always understand, especially when they're younger, um, because perhaps they don't know what's going on. And, you know, for any number of reasons, but you know, if we can get out of that situation and and get ourselves safe and, and get our kids out of there, in the long run, as you mentioned, it can potentially alleviate a lot of problems down the road for not only us, but for our kids, you know, not the least of which is they're not seeing mom and dad fight and scream anymore. You know, they're not seeing dad, you know, not, not coming home or mom crying all the time or whatever the case is. It's so, you know, being separate obviously isn't the best thing in the world, but and sometimes it is, and especially when situations where you're unsafe and sometimes we need an outside perspective of you, uh, you know, as a counselor or a friend or somebody in the church or somebody that can say, hey, you know, tell me what I'm missing here. What am I not seeing? Because sometimes we get stuck in our own head or we get stuck in, you know, the grooming and the old types of things that have been drilled into us about staying together because it's what should be done. When in reality, leaving, as you've been saying, can very well be the best option for our safety and for our kids. Absolutely. And I've even read studies that have shown that kids do develop PTSD from watching a parent be verbally or physically abused. They don't even have to be the target of abuse themselves. So just witnessing these things for a kid, especially younger kids, is extremely traumatic. And they will often grow up to develop different um, coping mechanisms. But aside from that, their brains are not able to develop normally. So when they're living in a trauma state every day, it kind of shuts down certain um, functions of the brain because they're always in survival mode. And so if you, you know, say your kids are in school and they start performing badly, don't blame it on them if they're in a toxic environment, because it has been scientifically proven that these children living in these toxic environments cannot develop normally. So it's not even their fault. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue into my next question of how trauma affects the brain. And as you mentioned, it's well documented. We're learning more and more uh, with the research and as technology develops. And I've covered this many times on 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 my show and, and in blog posts and of how trauma affects the brain and how it actually damages the brain. And as you mentioned, it changes the way that we develop. It changes the way that kids build coping skills and how they approach relationships and their self-esteem and all these types of things. So maybe share a little bit more um, in the area of what exactly narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships can do to not only the development of the brain, but also how it damages you know, the adult brain as well. Well, I have 
um, had a couple of interviews with Dr. Rhonda Freeman. She's a, a neuroscientist and, you know, she and I discussed how this type of abuse over time does affect the brain. It can affect your, your memory. Um, it can affect lots of different things. And I've actually worked with academics, Matt, who could no longer sit down and read a paragraph because of the damage they had, um, gotten from this kind of long-term chronic abuse. So, you know, people hear these things or they read it and they're thinking, well, it can never happen to me until it does. So we've got to understand how extremely serious this is. I worked with a person who had developed brain lesions and her doctor told her, this is because of your marriage, your toxic marriage. And if you don't leave, you're going to end up dying. I've worked with the lady who's who went to the doctor and had three months to live because of the effects of the long-term emotional abuse and the trauma. So I don't think people really understand a lot of times exactly how serious this is. You know, now we're seeing studies that, you know, these, not in all cases, obviously, but a lot of traumatized kids are presenting as having ADHD. Now, at one time we thought, well, maybe it's the vaccina- vaccinations, and that could still be the case. We don't know if it's not. But now they're starting to connect um, the environment these kids are growing up in, and they're starting to see, well, maybe this is, you know, symptoms of trauma. And I have also noticed a correlation, and so did Dr. Freeman, Dr. Rhonda Freeman, Um that a lot of mothers are raising autistic children and maybe they're autistic because they grew up or were exposed to a toxic environment at a young age. So we got to really think about, you know, starting a family with a narcissist. If someone's being abusive towards you, do not start a family with them. You know, of course we may have a situation where we end up pregnant and we weren't planning it, So those cases are obviously going to have to be handled in a very delicate way, but don't intentionally plan to get married and start a family with someone who's abusive. Yeah. And I think when we're talking about how the brain is affected by trauma, you know, as you said, we're learning more and more um, as we go on. And, you know, back in the day, I would say, you know, even, even as long as, you know, little as 10 years ago, there wasn't much stock put into, you know, the brains affected by trauma. It was always, well, it has to be physical damage, which of course we know is not the case anymore. And, you know, for all of the damage that can happen as a result of being in a toxic relationship, since, since we're kind of coming at it from that angle right now, it also bears mentioning that we can heal from it too, because as we know, Damage to your brain is is cumulative. It builds up over time. It just keeps building and building and building right. the longer you stay in this relationship. But once you get out of that relationship, you start advocating for yourself. You put up healthy boundaries. You're safe. You know, you, you're, you're gaining confidence. You're learning about yourself and all these things. As you heal, your brain can start to repair itself and make all these new neural pathways and 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 really correct all the damage that's been done over time. And of course, it's not easy and it's not overnight, but I think it's, I always like to to make sure that we, you know, mention that for all the damage that's done, there are ways to uh, reverse it and change it and heal our brain. I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt, because really that's so true. Once you do break free, that is when the magic can begin. You know, um, I mean, I'm a, a great testimony for how life can be so much better afterwards. Um, and I, I guess you are too. Is that correct? 
Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was um, a victim of childhood sexual abuse between five and 10. I was bullied uh, in school from, um, from late elementary all the way through middle school. Um, and I had some relationship struggles in my adult life and, and I kept all that suppressed for about 30 years, not even realizing what was happening and how it was affecting my life. I was like, you know, I, I was under the assumption of ads in my past. It didn't matter. You know, I am who I am. I don't associate with that anymore. And then once I started to open up and I was working with a therapist and I was getting help and writing about it and kind of getting it out of my own head, as I like to say, I realized how much of all the stuff that I had been through and the things that I was doing to myself as an adult were traced back to that kind of trauma. Yeah, it's, you're really a brave man. Um, But yes, absolutely. We can heal our brains. And that's part of, you know, we have so many different resources out there. Um, But in my program, um, the Essential Break Free Boot Camp, I talk about why it's so important when you first break free, first of all, you are going to be white knuckling it for a while because of the biochemical withdrawal. And I don't know if you've heard this, but um, I have worked with a few different uh, addiction specialists who have told me point blank that getting over a toxic relationship is often worse than overcoming an addiction to drugs or alcohol. So I think it's important that people realize that this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, And when you get out, your brain is, is going to trick you and it's going to be telling you things like we mentioned at the beginning of our, our, our chat. I shouldn't have done this. This was the wrong choice. Oh my God, I'm not going to even be able to live now. This is just a manifestation of the biochemical withdrawal. And that alone takes between 30 and 90 days, depending on the individual and the, you know, how long they were with a person. Um, So, yeah, it does take a while. Um, You know, I know there are some healers out there that say, oh, you can overcome this, you know, almost instantly. But that that's really, um, I think, detrimental for people to think that they can overcome this kind of trauma in a very short period of time because I mean I've worked with people in my coaching practice who are thinking to themselves why is this taking so long you know and they're only a month out um but yeah we can heal ourselves and we can form those new neural pathways as you said yeah and that's so true it's like I've sat in a therapist office I've talked with with my coach and I'd be like why the hell is this taking so long like I should be over this by now. I mean, everything that I'm sure your clients have told you and people who have commented on your or on your videos and such that, you know, we sit there and we think, okay, well, I've been working with a therapist for a few weeks or a couple of months, or, you know, why am I not healed? Why am I still feeling this way? Why am I still traumatized? Why am I still wanting to go back to this, to this person? Why do I want to feel like I'm not good enough or worthy of being out on my own? All these things that come through our head. And yeah, I, I really don't, like it when somebody promises you, well, you know, you can heal from it with just one or two sessions or use this technique and you'll instantly feel better. And I'm like, how is that even remotely possible? Because, you know, I'm like, if I didn't get this way overnight, logic dictates that that I can't change it overnight. It doesn't mean I can't change it. It means that it's going to take work and dedication and commitment and a lot of soul searching and, you know, working through all the things that, that we do with a helping professional but yeah, there's no quick, easy fix. But, you know, again, there is a way 
to heal and work through it. And everybody's journey is different. You know, some people may be able to gain more confidence and feel like they've, they've kind of got it more together after a few months or a year or whatever the case is. And others of others of us are, are working with a professional or, or, you know, in therapy or whatever the case may be for years and years, and we still haven't figured it all out. So it doesn't mean that we're broken or, you know, that we can't, it just means that we're all different. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to mention that, um, you know, if you do try a healing modality and it's not working out, you know, you don't want to give up after a few sessions, but I've tried so many different things, including, you know, the stuff in my boot camp. But um, I have worked with therapists. I've worked with um, Reiki practitioners. I have worked with trauma specialists. I've also worked with spiritual healers and shamans. So, you know, if one thing isn't working out for you and it's not resonating with you anymore, definitely try something else. But there are simple things you can do. And I have gotten this feedback from my um, colleagues in the neuroscientific community. Um, Getting out in nature is huge. If you can try to be near water, Um, going for a walk. Um, deep breathing. Those are very simple things we can do when we're in that state of being triggered. The deep breathing does activate certain areas in the brain that releases um, feel-good chemicals, and so it will help you to um, sort of self-soothe. Those are the physical things we can do in the moment. But because all this does lie on the subconscious mind, our wounds are inside our subconscious mind. we as you said, you didn't even know they were there. Most of us don't. Um, and so I have found that some of the non-traditional things have helped me the most. You said soul searching, and that is absolutely true. I think sometimes people make the mistake of keeping busy, going to the gym, taking a class, um, you know, doing this or that, going to conventions, and all those things are good. But you got to analyze whether you're actually doing the deep work or staying busy. Um, Staying busy is good at first because it helps you not break no contact. But eventually, you're going to have to actually sit down and start doing the hard work of healing and recovery. Yeah, that's so true. And you're you're right. There is there is something to be said for staying busy and keeping our mind occupied. But if you're doing it at the expense of of working through your feelings feelings and acknowledging you know what you've been through and celebrating the wins as you go along and if, and if we're just keeping busy but you know we're not actually acknowledging what's going on and, and in the end it's going to catch up with us so you're right i think it's a great thing to remember is that there are a lot of coping skills you can use staying grounded doing breathing getting out in nature all these things are you know similar in and and what i help clients with in overcoming anxiety it's an always a good reminder for all of us that busy is good, but don't let it be the only thing that you do to help cope and heal because eventually it's going to catch up because you're addressing the symptom, not the root of the problem. So, and right. you know, the last thing that, that I want to go into with is let's say that we have decided to leave, you know, we've got our plan in place, we've done everything we can, and now we need to figure out how to go no, no contact with a toxic person. What are some steps, some ideas, some ways that we can begin to implement that? You know, maybe do we go low contact at first or do we just cut it off completely and go no contact? Obviously, understanding that there may be children involved and reasons where you can't go no contact yet. But 
Okay, so a good rule of thumb is unless you share a business or a child with a toxic person, the best thing to do is just to go no contact and cut it off cold turkey. Um, now, as far as, you know, circumstantial things, make sure you get all your important items um, together, any heirlooms, you know, gifts that people have given you, all that stuff needs to be taken care of and gotten out of your shared residence. If you do share a residence, get everything lined up. You know, once you make that decision, I'm leaving, get everything lined up so you can make that transition as smooth as possible. Um, now, there are cases where, well, the narcissist lives with me. What am I going to do? Um, if that person's getting mail at your house, um, then they're considered a resident in most states, in all states, as, I, as I'm aware of. Um, you may have to contact an attorney to figure out how to get that person evicted from your home. Um, or maybe they, they have their own place, but they, they're keeping stuff at your house. That's a big one. Well, you know, that person still has a bunch of stuff here and they're kind of holding me hostage over it. Well, you know what? We have the power to, to cut that out, to nip that in the bud. And here's what I suggest. Put that person's stuff in a box if it's big, you know, like furniture Go and open up a storage unit, pay for one month, give them the key and just wipe your hands clean of that situation. You don't have to keep that person's stuff in your home. You can get rid of it. Um, some localities have a um, service where a person will come to your home and take an inventory of the stuff you're putting into storage. Take advantage of that so the person can't say, well, I had this piece of jewelry here and, uh, you know, you kept it. So if you can, take care of these things legally. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to put some planning into it. Get your pets out of there if you have a pet. Um, so these are things you want to kind of, it's, it's an exit plan. You want to plan things out so that there aren't really any loose ends after you leave. And understand too that those feelings of guilt and those feelings of wanting to come back and feeling like, you know, you didn't give them enough of a chance to fix it or everything that we've talked about of, of your brain trying to second guess and, and tell you why you shouldn't have done something because in, in the back of our minds, we feel like, you know, we've been groomed to feel like we need this person. We're nothing without them. They are the reason that we exist. They've, they've given us everything. Nobody will ever love us, all these lies. So be prepared also for those feelings to come up. Uh, a plan in place to have some people that you can reach out to, some safe people, friends, people at your church, perhaps, you know, community organizations who can help you, people you can contact when you need them to either maybe just give you some perspective or give you somebody to listen to because it can be so easy that, okay, I'm going to contact, I'm getting this person out of my life, I'm taking my life back, I'm excited, here we go. And then, oh my God, it's now a week out. It's two weeks out, a month out. Oh my God, I have to go back. I can't handle this. Everything's wrong. I can't do this. Yeah. Nobody's going to love me. And then, and, and then we start justifying why we should go back. Oh gosh, you're so right. And that's, you know, please be, for anyone who's listening to this show, please don't try to do it on your own. And if you can't make connections around you in your community, get into an online program you know, whether it's mine or someone else's, don't try to do it alone because when you feel like the narcissist is the only person in your life who will give you the time of day, guess what typically happens? You go back to the narcissist. So don't put yourself in that situation. 
Um, you know, don't sit around trying to read um, articles on Google. Half the stuff isn't even scientifically valid. So make sure you get into a good program that offers a private group, for example, of people that you can share your experiences with and get support and, and encouragement from. Don't try to do this on your own. But if you do have people around you, friends, family, community, you know, a hobby, do uh, get out there and make connections because, you know, a lot of us want to isolate. I'm one of those people. I just want to isolate and stay at home, wallow in bed. Um, but that's not healthy because over time you're going to start overthinking and overanalyzing. And most times you're going to end up back in that toxic relationship. So go out and teach your brain what it feels like to have healthy relationships. There's so many things that, that I want to get into and that I would love to bring you back to talk oh, more. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To, to kind of dive more into, you know, toxic relationships and being able to identify them and misconceptions and all these things. So um, we will wrap it up for now because I want to respect your time, but um, go ahead before we finish up and let everybody know where they can find you online, your website, your work, your YouTube, all that great stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, my website is kimsaid.com. And if you go there and hop on the blog, you'll find a library, just archives of different articles about narcissistic abuse, but most importantly, how to recover, how to handle situations you might find yourself in. Um, I do have a freebie. It's the Beginner's Healing Toolkit, which includes um, a, a free masterclass about how trauma bonds are formed and then how to overcome them. Um, and I do have, you know, the Facebook, Instagram, all under Kim Saeed, as well as my YouTube channel. So that's where people can find me. Awesome. It's been amazing, Kim. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to come on the show and share more about how we can heal from toxic relationships. So I can't wait to bring you back. And thanks again for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Matt. This has been a real honor. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.